0: Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you here with us this morning, man. I'm excited about what today is. He's not about. even gonna acknowledge that we're sitting here. I know he don't know. Is there a reason that you guys the suck? best seat in the house? Yeah, it's awesome here, and we're hungry. You don't have food? Nah, no food. Just uh, just napkins. Just you're welcome, to Chris. It. Will take milk. I'll take meat, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh. Uh. That's good stuff. That is. (laughs) Brian's like, we didn't plan this. Get off my stage right now. It's funny when you work together for a while, you learn to read each other's minds because that's exactly what I was thinking. So goodbye, guys. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, can we give a hand for Chris and Quentin? They've done a great job today. All right. I thought they were just going to stay here. I'm just going to preach because that's what I do. Uh, Man, I'm really glad that you guys are here today. You know, when we talk about Christmas, Christmas is all about family, that's what Christmas is about. And I don't think that anything speaks to, to family much like the table. You know, we, we come from a time years ago where the table was the gathering place for the family. Uh, years ago, back in like the 80s, the, the average time spent at dinner was about 90 minutes. Today it's about 17 We're spending less and less time around the table. Now the gathering spot in the house is around the television. And we're moving even away from that to where the gathering has become in separate rooms on devices. But I think that the table, if we could just agree, the table speaks to what families should be. Time spent together in the home, talking to one another. That's family. And since Christmas is about family and a very real and very true representation of family is the table, then who is at the table is of tremendous significance. So here's what I want to do today. I want to tell you a Christmas story that isn't the Christmas story. All right? Now I'm going to need some help to do this. So I'm going to need, let me, let me get four Volunteers, I'm just going to call you out because this whole ticket thing and trying to get y'all to come to the stage ain't working. So I was taking stock of who's here today. So, Caden, let me get you to come up. I got two young men right there with hands up. I'll take you. Come on. All right. And I need one more. My man right here. Come on up. All right. Stand right here. Now, this story, if you're looking to read it for yourselves, you can find it. In 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'm just going to paraphrase it and tell today. And these young men are going to help me tell the story. But if you want to go read it for yourself, I'd encourage you to. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now in 2 Samuel chapter 9, you're going to be introduced to a few people. And the first person that you're going to meet is the first king of Israel. And the first king of Israel's name was Saul. So you got to say, what's up, what's up, Saul? That's King Saul, y'all. Now King Saul... He, he had this idea in his mind that in his family lineage, he was going to be the first king and then every one of his sons and his grandsons were going to be the kings after him. So he's thinking dynasty, right? A king and then a king after me and then a king after me and a king after me. However, that might have been the case, but Saul disobeyed God almost at every turn. So, so uh, God picked another man named David to be king. Caden, can you be David? Uh, yeah. All right. All right. You're going to be David. So Caden is the new selected king of Israel. Now, as you can imagine, Saul didn't really like this idea because Saul wants to be king, and he wants his son to be king. Now, he had a son, and his son's name was Jonathan. Y'all say, what up, Jonathan? So Saul wanted Jonathan to be the next king, but God had selected David to be the new king. Now, here's where it gets complicated. Hey, Charlie, can you step right over here? No, you stay right there. Because Jonathan and David were best friends. They had a secret handshake. Let me see your secret handshake. All right. So we practiced that beforehand. It was awesome. So David and Jonathan were BFFs. They were best friends. Now Saul wanted his son Jonathan to be king. But Jonathan, because God ordained that David was going to be king, Jonathan actually sided with David. Now, as you can imagine, that made Saul pretty upset because he wanted his son to be king. Now, before everything went crazy because Saul started, because he was angry at David, he started chasing David and David went into hiding. So David went into hiding because he was on the run from King Saul who wanted to kill him because Saul wanted his son Jonathan to be king. So the only way for Jonathan to be king is for David to die. Why are you not hiding? Somebody trying to kill you, fool. All right, so that's an A-team quote for those of you who don't watch movies. Uh, so Saul was after David trying to kill him. He's on the run. Jonathan and David are best friends. Now, because, before David goes on the run from King Saul, Jonathan asked David to make him a promise. David. When you're king, will you show kindness to my family? Now, I know my dad's crazy. Be crazy, Saul. Awesome. So, <laughs> I know my dad's a little bit crazy. But David, when you're king, will you show kindness to my family? Now, there was a battle that took place, and both Saul And Jonathan died. Lay down. Lay down. You're dead. Die. And David became king. And then somewhere around 2 Samuel chapter 9, David remembers. Oh, man, I made this promise. I made this promise that when I was king, that I was going to show kindness to Jonathan's family but I hadn't seen I haven't seen Jonathan in like a decade because David was on the run from King Saul for about 10 years quick side note David wrote a lot of the psalms that we have while he was hiding in caves just to know that some of the worst situations can produce some of the most beautiful moments in our lives that's a side sermon inside the sermon. All right, back, back to the story at hand. So David remembers, oh man, there was, I was supposed to be nice to Jonathan's family. So he asked this guy named Zeba, hey, Zeba, you, you used to work for Saul. Is there anybody that's still alive from Saul's family that I could show kindness to because of the promise that I made to Jonathan? And Zeba was like, yeah, David, actually, Jonathan had a son. And Jonathan's son, was named Mephibosheth. Everybody say Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. We're going to call him Phoebe because Mephibosheth is really hard to say. Now, Phibbe, we learned, was crippled. Have a seat, cripple. And so David says, here's what I want to do. I want you all to go out and I want you to find this guy, Phoebe. And I want you to bring him here to the palace so that I can show him the kindness of God because of the promise that I made to his father, Jonathan, even though his grandpa, Saul, was crazy. He'd be crazy. No, he's dead. He can't be crazy anymore. And so that's what they did. They brought Mephibosheth in to see the king. Now. Everybody that knew this was going on, here's what they're thinking. They're thinking some Game of Thrones shenanigans. Like, Here's what David's going to do. David's going to kill Phoebe because Phoebe is in the lineage of Saul, and he might have a chance one day to try and make a claim for the throne. So everybody thought, including Phoebe, that David was getting ready to slaughter him. But that's not what David did. That's not what David did. David... Looked at Mephibosheth and he said, hey, man, he probably didn't call him man because that's modern day language is how I talk. He said, hey, Phoebe, don't be afraid. For I intend to show you kindness because of a promise that I made to your father. Can you guys give our volunteers a big hand? All right. You guys can go back to your families now. Thank you. You can keep that, Caden. There you go. Still King Caden. Now, what's significant about that story is how it ends. Because at the very end of 2 Samuel 9, this is what we read together. Verse 11. It says, and from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons and Mephibosheth verse 13 who was crippled in both feet lived in Jerusalem now when they found Mephibosheth he was in a place called Lodabar it means no pasture he was in the most destitute and distant places of ever they bring him into the capital city into Jerusalem and he ate regularly at the king's table Now, if you're thinking, how does this relate to Christmas? Where are the wise men? There's no shepherds in 2 Samuel 9. Hold on, we're going to get there. Here's why this is a Christmas story. Because you and I, we're a lot like Mephibosheth. Let me give you four ways that you and I are just like Mephibosheth. Number one, your life hasn't gone according to plan. You guys remember when we were kids? Those of you who aren't kids? Remember when we were going to be astronauts and doctors and pro sports players, famous musicians, preachers? No, never mind. Nobody wants to grow up and be a prayer, right? Very few kids. Remember, though? Remember all the plans that we had about how life was going to go? Who we were going to marry? How we were going to live forever, happily ever after? We were going to have 2.2 kids. We were going to drive a Mercedes. We were going to be famous. We were going to be somebody. Remember the plans you had? Now, if I surveyed the room, I bet you'd probably tell me that your life, like my life, and like Mephibosheth's life, hadn't gone according to the plan. Now, think about Mephibosheth for a minute. This is the grandson of King Saul. I just imagine him growing up in the palace. I imagine his day being very regimented. Now, archery lessons at two. Ancient hieroglyphic study at four. He probably had a butler named Alfred. Like, I just just imagine, I don't know how he's English, don't just go with me. Like, I just imagine, like, his day being very regimented, and he's a grandson of the king. He's got his whole life ahead of him. Everything is, is laid out for him, it's perfect. But then one day, everything changed. His dad, And his grandfather die on the same day in the same battle, and there's a regime change. Saul's no longer the king. Now David's the king, and everybody that used to be part of of Saul's entourage, now they're out, and everybody from David's entourage is in. Life became very dangerous then for Mephibosheth because, like everybody thought, David might come looking for him. And who's going to escape the king if he's looking for you? So much like Mephibosheth, your life, my life, they haven't gone according to plan. The second way that we're a lot like Mephibosheth is that people that you have trusted let you down, haven't they? Somebody that said they would be there, and they weren't. Somebody that said they'd stay forever, and they didn't. Somebody that said they would be there for you when you needed them the most, and they weren't. People who you've trusted have betrayed you, lied to you, and let you down because it's happened to all of us. Mephibosheth trusted some people, probably trusted that his grandfather and his dad were gonna be there to provide for him and to take care, for, take care of him. They died, probably of no fault of their own, they died in a battle. But if you're wondering how he ended up crippled, check this out, 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse four says this, said he was five years old, talking about Mephibosheth, when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news she picked him up and fled but as she hurried away she dropped him and he became crippled now, even his condition is the result of somebody who he trusted failing him again maybe of no fault of her own who knows but in her like at a lot of different times in his life from Mephibosheth people that he had trusted they let him down now Here's the fourth way that you and I are a lot, or the third way, I'm sorry, that you and I are a lot like Mephibosheth. There is a good king who wants to show you kindness. That's why this is the Christmas story. Because all of us at one time, though we have not accomplished the life that we maybe dreamed about when we were children... Though all of us have had people that have let us down and maybe we're not where we wanted to be or who we wanted to be with or how or things haven't turned out the way that we thought they were going to turn out. Yet here we are and there is a good king that wanted to show us kindness. And he wanted to show us kindness so badly that he sent his son to become a human and to walk among us and to die for the penalty of our sins that we might once again be established to our king. And he didn't do it for our sake. We didn't do anything great to make God love us. He's not doing it for our sake. He's doing it for Jesus' sake. The Bible tells us that God sent Jesus and that he gave all of those who would put their trust in Christ, they gave him to Christ as a gift to honor him for his sacrifice. And much in the same way that David the king showed kindness to Mephibosheth for Jonathan's sake, God wants to show you kindness For Jesus' sake. And he did that by sending him at Christmas that you and I might know what it means to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's Christmas. That is the Christmas story. That God cared enough about you and wanted to show you kindness for his son's sake. That though you may have been his enemy, that you may have tried to be the Lord of your own life. You may, have had, or you may have had it in your mind to try and rule your own world, therefore taking the place that God desires to have in your life. And he had every reason to wipe you out, to be vengeful towards you. But he didn't. And in the same way that David looked at Mephibosheth and said, have no fear. The angels that came at Christmas. Here's your Christmas story. Here's your Luke 2. You ready? The angels that showed up and proclaimed to Joseph, have no fear. And they proclaimed to Mary, have no fear. And they proclaimed to the shepherds, have no fear. For there is a good king who has come and desires to show you kindness. That's Christmas. That's Christmas. That there was a good king who desired to show you kindness by sending his son at the time that we now celebrate as Christmas. And the fourth and final way that you and I are like Mephibosheth, you have a seat at the king's table. That's how that story ended. It said that, that Mephibosheth, Sat at the king's table like one of the king's own sons. I mean, can you just imagine this incredible change of fortune from Mephibosheth? One day he's living in a Lodabar, a place that means no pasture. He doesn't have a dime to his name. He's a cripple in a culture that thrived on working by hand and by labor. And he's brought into the palace, into the temple, I'm sorry, not into the temple, into the palace to live with the king in Jerusalem and to eat regularly at the king's table alongside of David's other kids, just like he's one of them. Like, I can just imagine for, for, uh, for Mephibosheth, sitting next to David's son Absalom. Absalom, this guy in the Bible that says that he was the most handsome man in the whole world, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. There was not a better looking man in all the world. You know if the Bible says you're good looking, You're good looking. But he was so vain. Absalom, like, hey, Absalom, can I get a selfie with you? Like, I just imagine Mephibosheth at the table, like, Absalom, get in here, buddy. And they're sharing stories together. Hey, Davis, David, tell us about that time you killed Goliath. Man, that's a good story. Like, they're sharing stories and they're telling inside jokes. He's just like one of the king's own sons sitting here next to Absalom. This dude is so vain. He probably thinks this sermon is about you. Don't you? Don't you? Don't you? Right? Like he's so vain, but he's like one of my brothers. Now I'm hanging out with Absalom. Because there was a good king that wanted to show me kindness. Now I've got a seat. It's the table of a king. There's a king that wants to show you kindness. And he's offered you a seat at his table to be just like one of his other sons and daughters. And he's offered you that seat through Jesus, whom he sent a few thousand years ago to walk this earth among his people and to offer them a seat at the table. Now, you have to decide what to do with that. I mean, Mephibosheth could have just said, ah, thanks, David, but I'm just going to go back to Lodabar and keep begging. No, you have to make the decision to accept your seat at the king's table, and that's what I'd like to offer you the opportunity to do today if you don't yet have a relationship with the king. If you haven't accepted your seat at his table, then I hope that today of all days would be the day that you decide to give your life to the king who desires to show you kindness. And I want to help you do that in just a moment. But before we get there, one more thing. For those of us that already have our seat at the table, we've already accepted our seat here at the table. Let me, let me make this, this request of you. Do you, know who, do you know who gets to sit at my table at my house? Do you know who gets to sit at my table? My family. My family is always welcome, all of them. My family is welcome at my table. Do you know who else is welcome at my table besides just my family? Anybody that my family invites to the table. Which means that though we already have our seat at the table, there should be an invitation on our hearts and in our mouths to every person that doesn't yet know that they have a seat available for them at the table and they are welcome there it is the responsibility of us that already have our seat to invite them because they too are welcome at the table of a king so this morning I want to pray for us and I want to offer two very specific prayers one for those of us that already have our seat that God would give us the boldness to invite somebody else to the table And for those of us that don't yet have a relationship with God, I'd like to help you in the next few moments accept your seat and begin your relationship eating regularly at the table of the king. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, God, would you impress upon our hearts the beauty of this season? God, would you remind us once more That we have been offered a seat at your table because you desperately desire to have a relationship with us and to show kindness to those who were once your enemies. God, today, would you embolden us as we leave this place and as we celebrate with our families this season, this Christmas this gift of your son, Jesus. God, would you, would you just encourage us to share that? God, may the, may the beauty and the awesomeness of our invitation to your table not stop with us, but God, would we bring those who don't know you the opportunity as well. God, don't let us be silent. It's too important of a story. It's too important of an offering. It's too important, God, for us to keep it. To ourselves. God, Christmas is the gospel and you've called us to share that message with those who don't have the hope of those that believe God. Would you strengthen us, encourage us, and help us to be bold in our proclamation of the good news of a God, of a king who desperately desire to show kindness to a world that was far from him. And God, for the one or two here this morning that don't know you, God, I pray that this would be that moment where they understand that you're not mad at them. You're not angry. You're not, you don't wanna, you're not vengeful towards them. God, you desire to show them kindness, to welcome them into your family and to have a seat at your table. And it doesn't matter what they were like before or what they've done before or who they were before. God, you, you desperately desire to show them kindness for the sake of your son, Jesus. God, I pray that they would accept that invitation. They would take their seat at your table. If that's you, would you just tell God about your decision right now? It doesn't have to be an elaborate or eloquent prayer. You could just say something like this. Father, I want my seat at your table. I know that you're not mad at me, but that you want to show me kindness. Kindness because of Jesus your son so God I accept his gift of payment for my sins that I may be like him in your sight no longer seen as who I was but viewed as your son or your daughter God thank you for Christmas thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for an opportunity to know you. God, I pray this in the name of the one who you sent to be my savior and my Lord, your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.